2: 98.5 The bet in Las Vegas and the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760 in Hawaii. We are not going to go out to the Circus Sports Guest Hotline right now because we have a jam-packed show today. We have a lot of old friends, good friends joining us. So I will go around the bend and I will, uh, start here with, uh, G.A. Wiley, producer extraord- extraordinaire who had surgery. Wait, can you, can you give the crew a little bit of a, uh, of a background and just cause they love you so much and we're seeing the past <laughs> Uh, uh, how are you doing <laughs> Hey, Wiley?
3: Um, yeah, it, it hurts a little. Uh, I'm not going to lie on that one. Um, I'm pretty bruised up. But um, I unfortunately uh, was polishing a wine glass. The stem broke off, and it broke off into my wrist. So um, I went to urgent care really quick because this happened super late at night. There was no way I could go anywhere else other than the ER, and I just didn't want to wait. Mm-hmm. So um went to urgent care, um, got four stitches, which I've had stitches before, so four is kind of nothing. And then, um, just basically waiting for it to heal. Finally went back to urgent care and they're like, you gotta go to an ortho. Um, so went to, shout out to Dr. An, who did my uh, surgery uh, from Manhattan Beach and he, um, He got me all wrapped up. Um, There's still no feeling in two of my fingers, but they say it's going to go down and there's not really any ulnar nerve damage. So that's the good news about it. So put me in this cast. I had surgery on Tuesday, last Tuesday. Um, I can give you guys a follow-up probably on Thursday because I have an appointment on Wednesday um, about what's actually going to go down with this hand. So hoping to be back sooner than later, hoping to get off this IR (laughs) <laughs> real quick uh so i, I think i'm at least going to be out for six weeks but um i'll know by wednesday
2: okay well we're hoping for the best and again we'll, we'll get the yeah. update uh, when uh, you brandon grant uh, host the show friday jake dicker joining us from our wisconsin bureau our Madison, Wisconsin girl. Brent, Mona, Brandon, Deutsch. Okay, we, we got to jump into this because this was the biggest story of the year. Biggest story of, uh, you know, really the, the Dodgers. What are they going to do? <laughs> um, okay, so, I mean, there's a lot of twists and turns. I, I don't know if we want to get into the craziness. That was the day before where Dodgers Nation, uh, for some reason, thought that they could break the news where, that, that Shohei Otani is going to go to the Toronto Blue Jays. If that, that made no sense. But anyways... <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't have to stress about it because the very next day, Shohei Otani announces that he's signing with the Dodgers. On IG, breaks his own story. The contract, though, uh, we knew it would be big. We knew it would be north of five hundred. I thought it could be could be six hundred. My goodness, seven hundred million dollars, ten years. And then uh, we have found out uh, yesterday on Monday uh, that the majority of that contract, guys, fifty eight million dollars, is deferred. the, the super team that the Dodgers are about to create is crazy. Grant, I'm going to start with you just because you've been on with us every uh, week talking about the Dodgers. And you really said that, listen, they didn't do anything crazy last offseason because obviously their sights were set on Shohei. Grant, your uh, thoughts on Shohei Otani, the newest member of the Los Angeles Dodgers
0: no. <sighs> yeah, uh, first of all, like, it was kind of, you know, obviously, like you said on Friday, the, the Dodgers Nation bombshell that he was going to the Blue Jays. People were tracking his flight from, or I, apparently his flight from Santa Ana to Toronto. It wasn't even his, it was actually Robert Herb. I'm not even going to try his last name. The guy from Shark Tank, Robert from Shark Tank. <laughs> it was his plane. <laughs> Uh, and then the next day, no insider reported it. It was Shohei Otani himself, who's the best insider of all time, in my opinion. Uh, and yeah, like, let me just go to it, you know, from a baseball perspective. This is absolutely phenomenal for the Dodgers in terms of fit. They get a guy that's an offensive talent like we probably haven't seen in a while. There are questions, oh, is Aaron Judge the best hitter? Is he the best? No, it's Shohei Otani. He has the speed to steal bases. He has the power and he has the contact. He's a two-time reigning AL MVP for a reason. And that third year was just because Aaron Judge had 60-plus home runs. So in terms of fit, it's amazing for the Dodgers. You're not even going to get his pitching this year, but that's why you sign a 10 year deal. I always try to tell people this is that it's not going to be a one or two year. It's going to be 10. So you're going to get the pitching at some point. But Jake is probably going to get to this at some point. But that contract that he signed is probably one of the most fan-friendly deals or team-friendly deals that I have probably ever seen from a superstar. Um, to have 68 of the 70, or sorry, 600, whatever it is, 68 of the 70 million each year deferred, and to only have 2 million on the payroll is something that I have not seen from any superstar that signs with a team. Um, that allows the Dodgers to just be as flexible as possible to go after Yamamoto, to go after Corbin Burns and put him on. I know it's a trade, but you can put these guys on the payroll – And just not even have to worry about it. This is unprecedented. We've heard about the the deferments, but not like this. And uh, I'm going to hand it off to everyone else because I don't want to take up everybody's (laughs) time. But this is a monumental move, not just for baseball, for marketing, but for Los Angeles as well. Another star comes to Los Angeles. Yeah, um,
1: you know, Shohei made the correct decision. I think everybody can agree on that from a business perspective, from the perspective of wanting to win. Um, The Angels never really proved it to him. You know, say what you want about, you know, oh, you know, he's loyal, originally signed with the Angels. They had so many years to try and build a winner, and they simply didn't. So for so for Shohei Otani, this made perfect sense. He gets to live, you know, close. He loved SoCal to begin with. The reporters didn't get to move. He took that into consideration, by the way. He's a very kind person a thoughtful person he didn't want the reporters to move you know they start and it's true he probably didn't want them to move because they follow him everywhere um they're not going to be at angel games anymore though so arash will be me and like six other people (laughs) next year that's about it they're not going to be like 40 reporters they're covering the team anymore um but again for the business side they'll make all that money back and the deferrals like Grant said, unprecedented. Now, sure, you know when Jake and Grant are in their thirties, it might be tough. But if you get a few titles now in the next ten years, just two, like one, two minimum, it's worth it. And it looks like you know they're in on Yamamoto. We'll see what happens there. Um, but they can build a winner. And Shohei is at least going to—he's the best hitter in baseball. And when he pitches, he's a top-five pitcher. So you know, congrats to Dodger fans—they're gonna. Get a real player and a, a guy that'll step up, hopefully, in big situations for them in the postseason.
4: Yeah, Jake's wearing the hat, a, I love it. I love it. Yeah, this hat, this hat's always on. Um, <laughs> first of all, it's good. To, it's good to see all your guys' faces. Um, second of all, um, seven hundred million dollars is absurd, and uh, my jaw dropped. And like today was like the aftershock from the earthquake, where I was like just as shocked about how much money is being deferred. Um I, I want to get out in front of one thing though cuz everyone on Twitter is calling this a loophole in the CBA and like it's not like anyone could have done this um like deferred contracts are not some new concept um I mean we can start with Bobby Bonilla I and mean, right. the Nationals are still paying Max Scherzer the Reds are still paying Ken Griffey I think this is the last year of that but it's I mean no one does it because money now isn't necessarily or money then isn't necessarily worth money now, right? He's definitely going to lose a little bit of money just naturally in terms of inflation on the deferred payments, which is why we don't see it happen as much. And you don't see someone willing to defer 97% of their salary. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't happen. I mean him bringing in $40 million a year in endorsements helps. Um, But I I was just having a a conversation with one of my uh, really good friends who's an angels fan who was not acting like he owed the Angels something, but was just upset that it's the Dodgers and and all this, whatever. But I said, if you take any person in the world and tell them that they can play baseball for the same... If if the Angels offer him the same contract, 10 years, $700 million, same deferrals, everything, and you say you want to win, and you show them the Dodgers and the Angels, no person in their right mind is going to go play for the Angels. It's just not going to happen. So, I mean, I think Otani made the right decision. It's the most... Player, I mean, I've never seen a player do anything like this where it's just let's win now, let's win now. Um, So they better capitalize because, Brandon, you said one or two World Series championships, and I don't know if that's going to justify it for Dodger fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, it it was one of those things where he clearly wanted to win. It it was the one thing that we learned about him It was that uh, he wanted to win. And at some point in time, Brandon, I, I want you to chime in on this. He, I really think he wanted to stay. And by the way, we saw Mike Trout do this. There's something, there's a simplicity. You're living by the beach. You're living in Orange County. You're in, you know, I don't know where exactly he lives. By the way, Kobe loves it so much that he made the commute. So you live in tranquility You're you're not really in Los Angeles, so you don't have the ton of press that you have to deal with. I've heard he doesn't love the media, so again, he doesn't have to deal with a ton of that out there. I think he would have loved to have stayed. The fact of the matter is, you have a franchise there that branded, as you know. Hasn't won a postseason game since what, 2009, and with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, and we'll be talking about this forever, with Mike Trout and Shohei Otani for how many years? Six years, seven? They didn't go to the playoffs. They were below 500 every single season.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it is culture. A lot of it is what, you know, Jake is attesting to. Like, this is a team that has a losing culture. It's why they brought in Ron Washington, and that will certainly help. Uh, the issue is now you lose a superstar. You have all this money. The Angels have a lot of questions, and I have an article on the Sporting Tribune that I just came out with about this. Is like there's many directions they can go from here. They have a solid young core, and Jake has seen this, and Grant has seen this, and rush you have seen this, a lot of Scrappy baseball teams that get into the postseason and can make noise have about four or five players around the same age that are all all like starting to progress and you know become what they are at the same time. And the Angels have a bunch of young good players. You know, say it like Zach Neto, Logan Ojapi, Nolan Chenwall. It was great. Who came in at like twenty one? Reed Detmers. You know, a ton of bullpen arms. They have some talent. The issue with that is, Rosh, is you know, Otani had so many, so many, so many gave him so many opportunities, and yes, I can get, I get why Jake's friend was a little mad because the Angels gave up all the prospects they had left and everything to try and win this year, that didn't work out, and that was like to show Shohei they'll do anything, and they will, but nothing works until you change the culture, right? And Shohei just couldn't trust them to provide a winning culture. And I don't blame him at this point. Now, it might change. and This is arguably the best thing to happen to Angel fans, too, because they couldn't have another guy making $700 million. I don't care what you say. Paying Rendon a ton of money. Mike Trout's still making a ton of money. They should trade Mike Trout. They're not going to, but they should. That would be the best decision baseball-wise long term. Um But they couldn't afford Shohei yeah. Otani. And if they gave it to him, they would have never competed. But again, at the end of the day, Arashi did want to stay. But they yeah. gave him no, no positive feelings that if he were to stay, anything would change, right? Uh,
2: Yeah. Uh, Jake and uh, Grant, uh, I want to go to you guys with this. The number one thing that people talked about when the deferral payment story came up was, oh my God, they're going to build a super team, which by the way, I mean, (laughs) you're talking about Shohei Otani joining a team with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, and it was kind of already that. But now that we know that, now that we know the Dodgers are going to spend, continue to spend Who's out there? I think pitching is obviously a concern because Shohei's not going to pitch this upcoming season. He will uh, in 2025. But Jake, I'll start with you. Knowing that story now and knowing that the Dodgers will continue to spend and they're not done, who's out there that you would like this team to look to sign?
4: Yeah, I think I think Yamamoto's plan A. I think yeah. that's a very realistic possibility for them now given the way that this contract um, is set up. I don't necessarily see them making a run if they miss out on Yamamoto at a guy like a Blake Snell. I don't think that's necessarily in their best interest. My, my guess is if they miss out on Yamamoto, they really see them pivoting to the trade market. Um, whether it's a Dylan Cease or a Tyler Glass now and they try and, you know, pick up a bat in one of those deals. I know Randy Rosarena's name's been thrown around. Um, but I, I do think if it's not Yamamoto, it's probably one of these guys on the trade market who maybe have a year or two left. Um, that they can really try and capitalize on the beginning of this Otani deal, and then if it doesn't work out, reassess in a couple years.
0: I don't even know why I have to talk, because me and Jake are on the same wavelength <laughs> here. That was, like, perfect. I was just going to say that. I mean, even, you know, I thought even with the Otani deal, even if he didn't defer all that money, that the Dodgers would still kind of be in on Yamamoto, but I figured the Yankees and Mets were going to offer him more, but now seeing that he's only going to be $2 million towards the payroll, Yamamoto is in full play, and I, honestly, I think the Dodgers are the heavy favorite. I mean, I think Yamamoto, there, there's reports that he's a Dodger fan. I think that teams are meeting with him, not in Japan, not anywhere else. In Los Angeles, they're meeting Damn. him. So he's already here. Um, not just that, but, you know, you know Jake makes a great point. They're probably going to pivot to the trade market because they have a, a trough of young assets to give up. Um, you know, a trough of young arms that they can send off to, um, to get a guy like Dylan Cease, to get a guy, um, you know, like Corbin Burns, and maybe you could get Corbin Burns and Willie Adamas. I don't really think they can get Willie Adamas. I don't think they should, but that's something that's been floated out there. Tyler Glasnow and Randy Rosarino would do wonders for this team, and now they have the capital to do it. They have the assets to do it. Um, it's just on the Dodgers if they want to pivot to the trade market, or maybe they go after like a mid-tier starter like Marcus Stroman or somebody like that. You know, maybe as a fifth, fourth. Fourth, fifth starter. Um, they have so many avenues now, which is crazy because you would think, oh, you sign Otani, that's it. No, that's not it. The Dodgers are still fully in this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was go. Go, I was just going to
4: jump on what you said. I think after the whole snow with Snell, it falls off a little bit just in terms of talent. You know, Nola signed, Sonny Gray signed, um, Eduardo Rodriguez signed. Like, I could totally see them taking a flyer on, like, a Giolito, who's a local guy that you could probably get, whose value is probably at an all time low right now. Um, I mean, if you take his second year in the league out of the mix when he had a Nine ERA or whatever it was. Harvard um, Westlake.
2: like, let's, let's go. Harvard Westlake like
4: breeds <laughs> pitchers. Flair, right. I mean, any anytime you you see Freed or Flaherty or DiLido <laughs> on the mound, the other two are just mentioned repeatedly, and soon yeah. you're going to get Pete Co
0: Armstrong's name thrown into that mix, and it's just gonna <laughs> going to keep going. I can. Sorry, I was just. I can confirm that he's elite because I played against him and he completely dominated me. I so just go that. ahead, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah, starting pitching.
3: Like,
4: Jordan Montgomery's out there, but he's coming off a great postseason. He's probably going to want a little more money than he's worth, and I just don't think it makes sense for the Dodgers to have that money on the books. So I do think if it's not Yamamoto, could be... I mean, the thing is, right now in this current point in time, the Dodgers' starting rotation going into next year is Walker Buehler coming off of surgery and a bunch of young guys that... I mean, Bobby Miller's great. We'll see what we're going to get out of Emmett Sheehan and Gavin Stone if they're on the roster um when opening day rolls around. But they need to feel the starting rotation. So it could very well be like a Lucas Giolito, you know, a Marcus Stroman, who I think is probably also going to want a little bit more money than the Dodgers want to pay him. But, you know, we'll see. They, As Grant said, they have so many options now that we didn't really expect them to have if they committed a ton of money to Botani. You guys have touched on
2: it, and uh, so the Dodgers have been in a u- unique situation where for the, the past 11 years, they've gone to the postseason, they've gone to at least a division series, only one World Series to show for it. And again, unfortunately, because of the, the timing, it was in the bubble in Texas, 50-game season, so there's a lot of people who don't view it the same way. So the Dodgers have not won a full-season World Series still since 1988, but now that they have Shohei Otani... Um, I, I, I hate I, I don't want you guys to do the whole LeBron not one not two not three but uh, so Brandon I'm going to start with you because you're my favorite man when it comes to hyperbole what how many World
1: Series is a success if Shohei Otani plays the next 10 seasons here. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. Dodger fans and rightfully so are greedy. Um, they expect success every year and it's true. It's, it's a fact. And you guys can, have, and why not? I mean, it's a huge market. It's arguably the best organization in baseball for their mind, probably four world series is, but I'm going to say for me, uh, as a non Dodger fan that grew up in Los Angeles, if you're looking at it objectively, I think two rings is a success over 10 years in All my right. opinion yeah. with
4: that roster. Jake I mean there's by far the most amount of parity amongst champions in baseball among I mean compared to other sports right like it's hard to win. It's
2: crazy to think when you think about the, the there's no salary cap in the house, exactly. and the
4: house you're 100% right. It's so hard to win like And if Otani goes down one year, like that is a, I mean, you lose your best bat and probably your best arm. And what the roster looks like five and six years into this contract is very different than what the roster looks like now. So I don't know if the Dodgers are going to be this massive force over this entire 10 years. I'm sure there will be some years that are up and some years that are down. I would be, I would love two or three. I mean, I would love three. I think I'd be okay with two though. Like, I think they're going to be competitive every year. And if they can get over that hump twice, three times if we're lucky, I think that's great.
0: Yeah, I was going to say two or three just because, I mean, if they win three in a row, okay, maybe you can probably expect more. But I don't expect them to have this back-to-back-to-back-to-back thing that you know LeBron and all these people put out into the universe. If they win like one now and then one in 5 years, that is perfect for me. I I am great with that because you know what, any championship that you win in a in a span where you have these stars is a win for me. I I mean, I'm in in one of the camps where you don't even need to win a lot of titles in a span of 10 years for fans to be happy. And here's the other thing that we don't really think about is that with this move Other teams are going to make moves to counter this. They're going to try to load up against the Dodgers, add as many stars as possible, maybe take what Otani's contract was and apply it to some of their own stars, or maybe some stars will follow suit with Otani. I highly doubt it because that's a lot of money he's leaving on the table, and there's a lot of endorsements that Otani gets that a lot of other players don't. But what I'm trying to say is a lot of teams are going to try to load up. So this Dodger team, yeah, it may look like the favorite now, But next year, in another two years, there could be another team that has four stars like the Dodgers have. Maybe the Yankees go out and get somebody else to add to Juan Soto and Aaron Judge. So this isn't a foregone conclusion that they're going to win four or five titles. A lot of teams are going to start to stack up and try to beat the Dodgers.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I just love that this is a franchise that will go out and get the best player. And when we say the best, I mean transcendent talents like Shohei Otani, uh, Freddie Freeman... Mookie Bats. So we'll, um, you know, see, see how they uh, close out this offseason. Uh, we're going to leave it there for now. We're going to say goodbye to Grant. We're going to welcome back in Michael Duarte, who hasn't been on the show in a while. So we'll glad to have Michael back and Jake back. So we're going to leave, leave it there for now. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about not only Shohei Otani, but the NBA in season tournament champions are going to hang a stupid banner and we'll talk about that when we come back with michael duarte right here on the mightier 1090s on the california the bet in las Vegas, and the hawaii sports radio network
0: we'll be right back with the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio
2: Las Vegas or Hawaii, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, let's head out to the Circus Sports guest hotline and joining us, my good friend, we were hanging out in Las Vegas, Michael Duarte. Michael, not only are we hanging out, uh, we we hung out in Vegas, but we are joined once again, Hey Wiley, Jake Dicker, Brandon Deutsch, just
5: like old times, my friend. Flashback to 2021. I like exactly. it. And and speaking of Circus Sports Hotline, guess where I was hanging out all last night? Circus oh, Sports. Right. So What did you yeah, think? I can plug them right there. I mean, you took me there, so you oh, know. I, right, I yeah. think it's a great spot, especially to watch sports, especially that outdoor pool area. But I got to be in the V Studio for hours last night, nice. uh, co-hosting a show. Uh, I think it's called The Look Ahead. And uh you got the whole casino sportsbook floor behind you yeah. with the mega screens behind you. It was really cool to be in there and just chop it up with those guys about all things L.A. sports, which we're going to do here again now. And, you know, that's my favorite pastime.
2: I love it. Uh, a lot to get into. And we talked about it a lot while we were in Las Vegas. Let's kind of start. Uh, we talked about it the entire first segment, but certainly want to get your thoughts on uh, the Shohei Ohtani signing. But not only the signing. uh this deferment of the contract is a fascinating story and it, it enables the Dodgers to continue to bring in quality talent and put together a quote unquote super team A, your thoughts on the signing B, your thoughts on the deferrals.
5: Yeah. And we've talked about this before to use the, the game of Thrones, house of dragons analogy, the, the, like the Lannisters, the Dodgers just keep getting richer. And as I've told people, Andrew Friedman, he plays chess. The rest of the general managers and president of baseball operations around the league, they play checkers. And in this case, I happen to believe that this ace was up his sleeve for years. He positioned the Dodgers payroll so that they'd be able to absorb a guy like Otani and be able to sign a guy like Otani this offseason. Um, they clearly... Stopped at nothing financially to get him with the richest contract in North American history, 10 years, 700 million. And Otani, and to his credit, because this was the big thing from from my sources, a lot of them saying he might go back to the, to the Angels because he, it's hard to leave your home, you know, and what yeah. you love and what you know. And uh, the biggest thing we heard from Otani's mouth over the years was he just wants to win. He just wants to win. Well, now he has not just talked the talk. He has walked the talk because not only, as you just mentioned, Arash, did he sign with the team that has been to 11 straight postseasons, 10 of the last 11 National League West division titles, but he is going to make $2 million a year for the next 10 years. Yeah. and then take that 680 million out the back end in the 10 years following it. And the fact that he makes close to $50 million in endorsements off the field allows him to be able to do this and still afford to live very, very comfortably. It allows the Dodgers, who will now have a cap hit around 46, 47 million uh, for the upcoming season, to go out and sign more free agents. And as of right now, their opening day starting rotation is Bobby Miller, Arash Markazi, Jake Decker, and Michael Duarte. So unless they get some more pitchers, uh, which they need to do ASAP. Uh, they don't have that, 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 that opening day rotation is as thin as a three month old bar of soap. So we need to see, uh, something from them and Otani taking less and taking the deferred money, which I was told he was going to probably do that with no matter what team he signed, but wow. it's now allowing them to go out and get a lot more guys.
2: Do you anticipate them uh, to taking their time with these moves that uh, we uh, talked to, uh, Jake? He, you know, uh, The uh, trade market could be something that they look at as well. Uh, Timing-wise here, uh, have you heard about that?
5: Yeah, so the trade market's already something they had been looking into and preparing for. Usually they like to do a little bit of a combination of both. And knowing that they were going to potentially get Otani means... You know, regardless of and and this this deferral situation is absolutely the best thing they could have possibly done as far as money wise. Um, but but they knew that cap hit would be between forty and fifty, and so right off the bat, maybe that allows you to sign one more free agent pitcher out there. Um, is Shohei Otani willing to? kind of wave or or stand back from his stance of not playing with another Japanese player. And will he go out there and like, like I heard some people say on social media, Yamamoto, I took this for you so that you can come over here and we can play together just like we did in the world baseball classic and win the whole thing. If he's willing to do that, I think the Dodgers can get a Yamamoto deal done. I don't know if they want to spend 300 million on him. I know that's something Andrew Friedman has shied away from in the past when it comes to starting pitchers, but that's probably what it takes. And I think, Yamamoto, who grew up a Dodgers fan, would love to do that. And if Otani's willing to say, yes, I want to play with him, I think it happens. Um If it's not Yamamoto, you still have Blake Snell, the reigning Cy Young Award winner out there. I would love to had, add him to this rotation, personally. Uh Jordan Montgomery, fresh off a World Series title. He's another name out there. And then, like you said, if you can get one of those three guys we just mentioned, look at the trade market. You have Dylan Cease in Chicago. You have Tyler Glasnow with the Tampa Rays. And you potentially have Corbin Burns, three guys that we're hearing uh, teams are listening to as far as the trade market and willing to part ways with and the Dodgers still have the prospect capital to be able to get one of those guys and now all of a sudden that takes me Arash and Jake off the opening day rotation and it looks a lot better <laughs> with Walker Bueller returning and maybe Clayton Kershaw returning after the All-Star break.
4: Michael, I got a question. Just in terms of your, your thoughts, how much more work has to be done on this roster heading into opening day? If, if the roster stayed the way it was now, I'm not sure the Dodgers were even the favorite to make the World Series out of the National League, given the way the Braves roster looks and, and what Philly's been doing.
5: Yeah. To your point, Jake, they are technically the favorite. If you go to Las Vegas, so they don't <laughs> seem to care about the pitching. If you can beat a team. Score 10 runs every game. It doesn't matter how many you give up, I guess. But I agree with you. There's no way, in my opinion, they can be the actual favorites outside of the betting favorites because there's nobody in the rotation right now. We don't know. We know Walker Bueller will be on an innings limit. And now we're hearing from sources that his he might not be ready by opening day. They might kind of delay it a little bit and ease him into the rotation. We know there's no Clayton Kershaw. We know there's no Dustin May. We know there's no Tony Gonsolin. So like I said, it's Bobby Miller, Emmett Sheehan, and... What, the young guys, right? You don't really have anybody. Now, maybe there's some veteran kind of Lance Lynn-esque signings or projects, you know, like we've seen in the past, like Andrew Heaney or something, or or Tyler Anderson they might come up with and kind of throw out there potentially. But this roster, to me, to your point, it it needs at least two or three more starting pitchers, front-end starting pitchers at that. Uh, I don't think you can rely entirely on Bobby Miller as the guy going into his sophomore season teams will and hitters will adjust to him now after seeing him more and I think he will have a little bit of a digression from his hot start to his young career and so you know I think offensively they might be okay I'd love to see him sign another outfielder uh I'm hearing maybe Kike Hernandez wants a reunion we also heard Teoscar Hernandez as a name now that you have Otani, that means you're not going to go bring back J.D. Martinez. It means the idea of potentially moving Max Muncy to the DH and maybe trying to acquire a third baseman is gone. I think now Max Muncy becomes your everyday third baseman. And so uh I think one more outfielder would be a, a good way to go here. Um Preferably, I'd like a bigger name, a better bat than than Kike uh, Hernandez. No offense to Kike. Uh, but the biggest thing they need to address now here in the next month or two is frontline starting pitching.
1: And Michael, going off of what you mentioned here, um, you know, the Dodgers have been reluctant in the past, right, to trust younger guys. Um, I just not obviously Dustin May, Walker Buehler, but I'm saying like Nick Frasso, I think was ready last year to come into the bullpen. They were reluctant to have him come out of the pen. But they're going to have to trust these young guys more to come up earlier than maybe they originally had planned for them, right, with the lack of starting pitching this season.
5: Yeah, Nick Frosso is a guy that you mentioned. Michael Grove, obviously, who made the postseason rosters, a guy we look at. Kyle Hurt, who just dominated A last year, led the entire minor leagues in strikeout. Landon Knack is another Guy, another name that I've been hearing that we can look at. Obviously, I really like what Ryan Peppio did. I forgot to acknowledge him in that opening rotation because he's probably in it as of right this second. Uh Gavin Stone, another guy who got some time. So, yes, uh to your point, Mr. Brock Purdy's number one fan, I think that they absolutely are going to rely on the, some of the young guys, but that doesn't necessarily, Brandon, mean that the the opening day rotation is going to be entirely composed of rookies and, you know, triple A guys from last year. I really think they will make a trade. I really think they will go out and sign a guy. I really think there's going to be a reclamation project in there that they're hoping can, can turn some heads. There's some other Japanese players that are now demanding to be posted that are pitchers out there that if Otani's willing to like waive his, you know, not playing with other Japanese players condition, I just told you about. If he's willing to do that, they can go get one of those guys cheaper than a Yamamoto. So I think that we will see maybe two to three rookies in the rotation come opening day. And then you'll see those guys come up periodically throughout the year, give them a few starts. Uh, if a guy goes down on the injured list, they'll come up and rise up and do that. I think we'll see more of that. Like we did uh, in 2023. Okay. We got to get if,
2: it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Jake, you go, you go, Jake.
4: If the Dodgers do hit the trade market to acquire a, a frontline starter, Wait, what do you think it, it, the guys, the young guys who have already touched the big league roster, whether it be an Emmett Sheer and or you know a Gavin Stone, maybe a Gavin Lux, who do you think could be shipped away in a package for a frontline guy?
5: Yeah, I think teams are going to covet starting pitching in return and the Dodgers have a plethora of it, thankful. Thankfully, um, some of the names I just mentioned, like I just said, Michael Grove, Gavin Stone, Landon Knack, Nick Frosso, uh, those are guys that I think would, would, a couple of them could go back in return. Uh, Gus Varland's another name that I had been hearing. So those are, you know, Johnny DeLuca, Michael Bush. Those are guys that I could potentially see going back. It just depends on the deal. Right. So talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. If and I it totally makes sense that Willie Adamas' name would come up with a Corbin Burns. In that case, Gavin Lux, a hometown guy there in Wisconsin from the Milwaukee area, grew up a Brewers fan, going to Brewer games. You can see that reunion making sense for both sides. I don't think the Dodgers would want to include Gavin Lux in any other deal with like the Rays, for example, or the White Sox, but if it's... To get Willie Adamas and Corbin Burns back and send him home, I think that could make sense for both sides. So I think any of those other teams, Tampa, especially the White Sox with where they're at, especially all the starting pitching they gave up at the deadline last season, all of these teams are going to want young starting pitching in return. And so the names that we mentioned that could be counted upon to... to, to help the Dodgers in the 2024 season as far as on the mound could be guys that would be in any of these deals if they go get a Tyler Glass a Burns, or a or Dylan Cease.
2: All right, guys, let's, let's now touch on the NBA in-season tournament, which uh, I was at with Michael Duarte. I really don't want to really talk about the tournament so much as the Lakers' decision yesterday to announce that they will be hanging up A banner, and I think banner is a big word because apparently, from what I've been told, it is not. It's not going to look the same as a world championship banner. It's going to have a different color, different shape and size. I I don't know what that means, but anyways, we're going to hang out. Going to be a triangle. It's a great question, Michael. We'll we'll find out on December eighteenth or uh, next home game. The problem with this, I have, and I I don't um, know how to word this, but it's like. If, you, if you're not going to be, if you're the franchise that we don't hang division banners, we don't hang conference banners, we don't do, like, we only hang World Championship banners, hanging a banner for winning seven games, that's all it took, seven games in November and December, is just weird. It's just, I I, I don't know how to say it. Uh, G.J., um. I, I do want to start with you because... Um, uh, you were you were very passionate about this. Why? Uh, what
3: do you think of this move? I think it's it's idiotic. I think it's just it's ridiculous when you are when you are the Lakers. Now, if you're some you know team that's never won anything before, go go nuts, buddy. Like you don't have that kind of culture. Fine, but you're the Lakers. Like you you need to stand for something a little bit more than an in season tournament where you have to win seven games to qualify to win to you know. To, to make it all the way to the to this in season tournament championship, I I think it's a joke. I think it's ridiculous. I think they shouldn't even hang a banner. I think it should be like maybe something in Genie Bus's office or something somewhere <laughs> on off to the side. Like I don't. I, there's no That's there's no need for this. I don't think that there's a need for this. I I'm sure that other Laker fans are probably no real Laker fans are probably thinking the same thing. Like don't you guys want the end of the rainbow? You don't want the middle of it. Like I don't I don't know. Like it just this, none of this makes sense to me. I w- I think it's a joke. Yeah. Duarte, we,
2: we talked about it. I yeah, told you that night that I was a little surprised that they celebrated with goggles and champagne and you were front row at the press conference afterwards. Uh, I'm like, these guys have to hop on a plane to play the Dallas Mavericks on Tuesday. Like, like they're really trying to make this feel like June, but this is, we're 23 games into the season that that win, by the way, didn't even count towards anything. It did not help them in the standings. It didn't count. So, again, we'll see what the banner looks like. Here's the problem. They're, they're going to get clowned for the, for, for the news uh, that they're going to hang a banner. And I promise you guys they're going to get clowned for the way that this banner looks. Because from the way that it's looking, like, Duarte, you might not be wrong. It might be a purple triangle that they put the year 2023 on and say, hey, if we continue to win, we'll put more years on this thing. I'm like, I don't think there's a positive uh, conclusion to this, Duarte, but your thoughts.
5: Yeah, um, G. Hey, tell me how you really feel, right? And, and Arash, like, you told me they weren't going to hang a banner. And that's actually not what you said. I'm just kind of joking. I,
2: I, you. no, but no, but you, honest, you said
5: they, they only hang championship banners. Well, and that's correct. But really they, quick. You, they could do something like, and Taylor Swift banners. They, you yeah, to, and Taylor yeah. Swift banners. They and said, something for like these weird yeah. tournament things. No, but what
2: doing. I said at the time was that they had no current players. When I saw the way they celebrated, I began to wonder, like, they're going to do something. They're going to do something. So again, I am fascinated to see what this well, let banner me, looks like. But well, yes, let me at least Taylor contrarian. Swift
3: breaks records. <laughs> at least Taylor Swift breaks records. Like me, is let, this well, breaking
5: a record? Yeah. Well, let me play contrarian here, right? Um, I kind of agree with you guys, and I kind of what Arash reported and posted made sense, especially when he said. Um, what, what did you say? That what trophy, the Western Conference champion trophy was like lying on the floor in her office. I, I thought that was a for, great, yeah. a great report. Yeah. And that's kind of what Jihei was saying. Maybe the banner can just hang in the bathroom at, at the facility in El Segundo. Oh, but, gosh. um, no, uh, look, I agree with you first of all, but let me play contrarian for the sake of argument here, because I know where this panel is at right now, right? Jerry Buss is people would be saying Jerry Buss would be rolling over in his grave. I get that, but Jerry Buss would have loved this in season tournament. He's all about the show, the glitz and glamour. Jerry Buss loved Las Vegas. He would love that the tournament would be held on a neutral court there. He loves the attention and the money that it gains. He loved the blackout lights, like, like a fight night there at the T-Mobile arena. I think Jerry Buss would enjoy those aspects of this in-season tournament. And now to the banner part, right? Like what LeBron James talked about was that, you know, he holds all these records, most ever, lo- a lot of longevity records in the NBA, but It's very rare to be the first person or the first team, in the case of Lakers, to ever do something. So to Jihei's thing, it's record-breaking, yes, but this is historic in the sense that they are the very first-ever winners. And I think the NBA, who's trying to really sell and push this tournament, not just this season but for years to come wants them to celebrate it like it's a championship in a way so that the optics of it for the rest of the world are, this is important, players yeah. want to win it, players want to do these things. D'Angelo Russell wants his 500K so we can take an all-star break vacation, <laughs> and they want these things so that the league and fans can really embrace it like they have. And to Arash's point, it was so weird optically, both in the arena and watching ESPN afterwards, because it f- looked, looked, like they had won a championship yeah but from what i was told from people and we were outside the locker room mirage the champagne celebration was very calm and muted kind of like when the dodgers win a playoff seed or a division title it wasn't the big championship champagne celebration but it was a little bit you know they did a little bit and then lebron handed his medal and his trophy off to his boy maverick carter and hopped on a jet so he could go watch Bronny. it wasn't as big as we saw it, but the NBA really tried to make it be. And because it's the first one ever, the inaugural one, I can understand why. And from what I'm being told, this banner, whatever it does look like, whether it's a rectangle, an octagon, a triangle, whatever it may be, it's going to be just for in season tournaments or gimmicky things like this. And if they do end up winning it next year and years to come, they will add it to this little thing and keep it completely separate from the most important thing, which is the championship banners. And look, as Arash said, this is game 24 Kobe. Yeah. So, you know, that's kind of where they're at here. Real,
2: real, real quick, just because we have a couple of minutes, Jake and Brandon, I want to get your thoughts on this.
1: Oh yeah. Um, I'll go first. I just wanted to say, I was honestly stoked. Um, as a, as a Lakers fan, I just think like you're not guaranteed to win a championship every year. Every team had, a chance to win this in-season tournament. The Lakers were the most dominant team and they got the job done and it counts as something. Is it the Larry O'Brien trophy? Of course not, but they won something that other teams could not. And I think that matters. And I think the NBA wanted to put pressure for the Lakers to legitimize things since they're the biggest brand in basketball to put the banner on. That's my take there.
4: Dude. Yeah, I'm hoping that this banner is just like a slot machine that just reads like twenty twenty-three across the front, and then if they win another one, it'll add another <laughs> list of wonders. but no, I'm I, I kind of like I don't I didn't expect a banner until I saw the stage in the champagne, which I'm sure I don't think that was like a genie decision. I'm sure that was a league-oriented thing, and I'm sure the banner was pushed by the league as well. Um but I mean they're trying to make this tournament, you know, something that really matters, the league's really pushing it. I know it's been compared to like European soccer in a way, which I don't understand how all of that works. I'm not going to act like I do, but it did feel weird to see the, the Lakers on a stage with hats, it's the champions on them in December. Um, but if they're really pushing this, this in season thing, and, and it's going to happen for years to come, I think winning the first one does mean something.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Rush. No, just uh, we, we we have to close out now. But I, it, it's one of those things where I think the league had a lot to do with it, guys. I think you're right. I think that they want uh, teams to, listen, we're going to give you not only a trophy, we're going to give you the goggles, we're going to give you champagne, we're going to make this a thing. So we'll see how it progresses. Jake, we're looking forward to having you back, Duarte as well. Brandon, G here, you guys are the best. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is... Arash Markazi saying, stay safe and stay healthy.
0: This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio.